Welcome to the Sheriff, Lawless, and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, the interview series. I'm Gary Lawless, and today's guest is Ryan Reeves. Ryan, welcome to the program. Glad to be here, as always. I had a conversation yesterday with a guy who uh, about 163 fights in the National Hockey League. Fought in the era of Dave Brown, Stu Grimson, that kind of guy. And we talked about a whole bunch of things. But the one thing I said to him was, A, is Ryan Reeves the last of a, I don't want to say dying breed, but the last of dying breed. a dying breed? Yeah. And B, could he have done your job in your era? And the answer to both questions was yes. Okay. And I want to ask you that. Are, you know, you are different than anyone else in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say, obviously. I mean, back then, I guess you had guys who sole role was to go out and fight as many times as they could. And, um, you know, I think my training program would be a little bit different. Um, I'd look something more like the lockout year when I was at about 240 pounds and not, you know, the slim 225 am right now. Um, probably be doing a lot more boxing too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess if that was the era I was in and I still didn't have as much skill as I do right now, then I'd probably have to be that guy. Yeah, one of the things he said was, he said, well, Ryan is, um, the reason he's able to do what he does is, is that he can move and you can play him. You can play Ryan Reeves 10 minutes a night, no problem, and he doesn't hurt your team, and that's because he can skate. So that being said, I've watched him, and he likes it, meaning fighting. And he said, he said, to do what we did, you had to like it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's definitely more fun when uh, you win most of the fights, for sure. It's, uh, I think it's less fun if you're, you're eating a lot of them. But um, I, I definitely don't mind it. I think earlier in my career when I wasn't necessarily, you know, I play, always played that big body game, but I wasn't necessarily a fighter when I was coming up. Um, I didn't hate it, didn't love it in particular, because I didn't really know you know, the mechanics of how to fight. But once I learned how to do it, I, I started enjoying it a lot more. And, you know, I was still eating a couple of punches because there was a learning curve there. But, um, yeah, it started becoming fun. I don't want to talk about this for the whole show, but it is really fascinating because this conversation started at the draft. I was sitting with a few guys, and they had just left a banquet in, I think it was Estevan, somewhere in Saskatchewan, where Reed Simpson, Jim McKenzie, and Dave Brown were kind of on the panel and they were talking, it, Reed and Jim were talking about fighting Dave and how, what a nightmare that was. And you know, he had those long arms and he was 250 and he was arguably the best of his era right there with Bob Probert. So anyways, they were talking a lot about it and he said the difference between our era and today for everybody except for Ryan Reeves was in our era you fought to win. Today, guys fight to survive. And then they said, Ryan Reeves doesn't fight to survive. Ryan Reeves fights to win. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I want want the knockout every time for sure. But that makes you different than than everything everything else in the landscape right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see it when a lot of guys fight too. You know, they they square off and, you know, there might be a lot of swinging, but I think you see a lot of the first opportunity to go down, they, they hit the ice. Yeah. Well, and if you did that in that area, if you, that happened in the first period, if you got knocked down in the first period, you had to fight the guy again oh, in the third, right? Absolutely. It was like completely different. Uh, and it was, uh, it was fascinating to hear them talk about. He said, you know, you'd fight on a Saturday night 
in Toronto or Montreal or Detroit. And it, that was one thing because it was, because, but you'd get a sore neck and you'd be in New Jersey on Sunday night and there'd be, again. you know, there'd be somebody there and then you'd be in Detroit on Tuesday night and they might have Coaster and Probert in the lineup. And, you know, then down the road, you know, Darren McCarty, like, you know I mean? It was always a, uh, it's, it's not like that now. You don't look. You don't have to look at every roster no, be, in every game. I'd and be figure shocked out. to get five in a whole season now. Well, you, let alone you know, five in a row. You had like fifty six in St. Louis. You have had you had six in Pittsburgh, and you've only had three in Vegas. Like yeah. it's completely. You've been. You've kind of gone from that last era into the new era, and then you're you know you're a man for all seasons in that respect. I'm trying. I, I like playing in this league, so I got to uh, I got to adjust when I can. Well, that's a great segue. Why do you like playing in this league? Oh, man, you know, I think just growing up, I always wanted to be an athlete. You know, people always ask me, what do you want to be when you're older? And I said, well, I want to be a hockey or football player. And, you know, my teacher would be like, well, no, you need to pick an actual profession so we can talk about it. I said, you know, I want to be an athlete. That's all I wanted to be. So, um, you know, knowing that I'm living my childhood dream and, you know, let's be honest, playing in this league is, is a lot of fun. You get to travel to different cities. You, you meet a lot of good people along the way. I have, you know, a lot of friends that I've made over the past years. Um, a lot of friends on this team that I get to travel with and go to war with every night. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm living my dream as, as much as I can right now. Well, it's interesting you say a football player or a hockey player because the first time I saw you play, you were around 15 and you were playing for a, uh, a boys' school uh, or a no, sorry, a, a private school in Winnipeg, Sir Sir John Sir John Ravenscourt, and I couldn't tell if you were a hockey player or a football player. No, I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. I was watching you play. I know that your dad played in the in the Canadian Football League, played in the NFL, was a big star uh, um, in the NCAA, and you you didn't hit people. You went through people, and so I'm sitting up there watching, and I'm like. I wonder if he's going to be a football player or if he's going to be a hockey player. And that's funny you said that because that's exactly what my dad always told me. He's like, you don't hit people, you hit through them. You you try and put them five feet back. And uh, that's just funny that you bring that up. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I always, you know, when I was younger, I considered myself a football player on ice. Um, I think I liked football a little bit more. I think my technique and the way I hit and my physical play from football carried on to my hockey. Um but it just, you know, the path was kind of chosen for me through injuries and, you know, getting drafted into junior. And um, and here we are. What uh, what what could you carry? What could you weigh? Could you go 275 if you and, and not not like in not, have, you know, not yeah. have four percent body fat, but have a, a reasonable number. Could you be that big? I mean, I'm sure I could if I could you to move. S- no, not. No. no, I mean, Couldn't when- run at 275. Could I run? Yeah. Oh, yeah. On the field, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I was I was a running back. I don't know if I would want to get that heavy, anyways. But I, I got a small head. When I hit two forty, I looked like uh, you ever seen that? You know, Men in Black when he sh- shoots that guy and his head shrinks. Well, before it grows back, that's what my head looks like when I'm that big. So I don't, I don't need to get that big. You mentioned getting drafted. You were drafted by the Brandon Wheat Kings, and Kelly McCrimmon was the. I don't know if he was the coach at the time, but he was certainly coach, the GM owner. owner. Yeah. Would you were you ever on the were you ever on the bus when he drove? I don't think so. No, because no, no. there was a time when he would drive the bus as well. Really? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Anyways, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not kidding. He uh, got his bus driver's license so that when they were going on a long road trip, and the bus driver had to time out, 
they wouldn't. He didn't have to pay two oh, guys. Okay. He would just jump from his uh, from his seat and jump behind the wheel, and he'd drive for whatever the gap needed to be yeah. legally, and also to let the guy rest. Not not just legally, but yeah, he'd jump in. He had his. Uh, he's a farm guy. He's been driving a tractor forever. Driving a bus wasn't a big deal yeah. for him. The only thing I remember about Krim on the bus is if we lost, it was dead silence. We weren't allowed to talk, and we watched. There's something about Mary. I, I, it must have been 40 times in my brand new weekend career. And it was uh, it must be his favorite movie because he always picked it. And you could just hear him dying laughing at the front of the bus. And he's got a he's got a pretty loud laugh, so it's, it was pretty funny. I think his favorite movie, it's either Goodfellas or Casino. He's a Well, then his favorite comedy has got to be Some of Mary. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> well, so anyways, uh, he drafted you. He's now the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights as well. What did he say to you? You know, there's a certain point in time where, you know, you're playing football and you're playing hockey. How, what happened there? Because you decided to go to Brandon and play hockey. Um, well, I mean, the injury was one thing. Uh, I got hurt playing, uh, playing in a tournament basically for players who were getting drafted into junior. Um, and that was right before the football season. So I got hurt, uh, tore my PCL, got drafted. Um, and then, so I was missing that whole football season anyways. And then coming up to, I, I didn't play the next year in Brandon. I skipped that year. And then coming up into the next year, um, basically said, listen, if you want to come down here, you got to make a choice. You can't play, you know, junior hockey and football anymore. There's got to be a choice made. And, you know, I just missed a year of football. Um, hockey was going really well. I was drafted and, um, you know, it seemed like I kind of wanted to go and play hockey now. So uh, I, I ended up going down there. Had a, uh, you know, a couple of those moments where I was like, man, I miss fi- football. I remember I talked to my mom and uh, my mom and dad when they came down. I was like, you know, I, I don't know if I want to do this. I think I want to go back and play football. Um, but again, it was kind of like, you know, I made this commitment. I'm not just going to walk out, walk out on a team. I'm going to see it through and uh, ended up really enjoying it. And, um, you know, that was that. What is uh, you're wearing a T-shirt here? It's got. So, seven five brewing company. Seven, five so brewing. We'll, we'll get to the brewing part in a minute. What's seven five? What's seventy five? That's my number. I know why. <laughs> uh, because I was a rookie, and uh, that's what they gave me, <laughs> and I wasn't about to push anybody's buttons. So I said, "Yes, thank you. I'll take that." And then you liked it. Uh, well, it was just you know my first year. I got called up, and I wore it, and um, saw a couple people wearing a seventy five jersey in the in the crowd, and I was like, "Well." Might as well stay with what you know with what got me here. So, kept it. And right. and to be honest, I think I might be the only number seventy five in the league because they did. I, I saw they do uh, the best players of every number. And you were first. Ryan Reeves. No, well, Ryan Reeves was number seventy five of the best players. So I was like, oh. that had to have been by default. <laughs> I thought you meant they put every number across and they'd have like seventy five and they'd have a list. No, of no, the no. Guys. It was like number number two is this guy. Number three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, 87, 75. You there know, you go, some yeah. pretty, uh, hey. I was in good company. Pretty, I'll put it that pretty, way. Yeah. Pretty distinct <laughs> guys. It's been a, a kind of a, a whirlwind for you. And, uh, you know, time in St. Louis and Peoria. You know, Peoria is an important place for you. Got your start there. And then the, the Blues and then the Penguins and now the Golden Knights. But, you know, of all the people that uh, I always thought James Neal really like Vegas and like Vegas was a sports coat that James Neal put oh, yeah. on oh, and it fit real nice. Yeah, it did. And it, uh, Vegas is a leather jacket that Ryan Reeves puts on and it it fits real well as well. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I I definitely didn't think that this would be my city. I 
I was just like everybody else. I come to the city for a boys trip in the summer and I leave with an empty wallet and feeling like garbage hung over and um, never, never really liked the city to be honest. And then you live here and you just see there's so much more than the strip and nobody really knows that because you know, why would they, they, they don't come here to go outside the strip. Um, but I, I think it took me about a month to fall in love with the city, just being out in Summerlin and just everything you can do, you know, whether it's on the strip or outside the strip, just everything you can do in the city. Um, you're, you're so close to everything and just, you know, there's, you're surrounded by mountains. It's just a beautiful city. And, um, it, it literally took me about a month and I was like, I, I could definitely see myself living here. And, and here we are, you know, I've got two houses here now for some reason and I'm staying. So I, I got away from the second part of your shirt, which is the brewing company. So seven, five brewing company, that is your, that's your business. Tell us about it. That's business. Yeah. I, um, you know, long story short ish, I guess. Um, I had a beer in uh, St. Louis that, um, one of my buddies was selling his brewery and it was doing pretty well. Uh, then I got traded to Pittsburgh. So you mean you had a beer? I thought you meant you, you had a beer. No, no, no. no. I had, had I had a beer, beer under my name. You, yeah. Under it, your name. Yeah. That he was selling under my name at his brewery. What was that called? That was the Grim Reaver. Yeah. Okay. Um, got traded to Pittsburgh, started getting into the craft scene a little bit, got traded here. And at this point now I'm going to different places. You know, I'm going to these cities and trying local beers and just kind of doing a little bit of research. There's not a lot of local breweries here. You know, you go to Portland, there's, you know, hundred and something breweries. You go, you come here and I think there's 20 something in all of Nevada and uh, the number might be off, but you know, it's a small number. So uh, I have a buddy that used to work for Labatt up in Canada. He came down and um, he saw a little business opportunity with me and I wasn't going to ask him to uh, jump on a business at all. I just wanted him to come to some meetings because uh, he had his own stuff going on in Canada. But um, he called me when he landed leaving Vegas and he said, no, I, I think you have something here. Let's, I think we should start something up. And we we moved quick. I mean, this was an idea basically a month or sorry, a year ago. Um, and we've turned it into, you know, we have only one beer right now, but we just started brewing our second last Monday. Um, we're in about a hundred bars. We're in cans already. Um, we're shooting to have four beers out by uh, puck drop this year. Um, so, you know, we've, we've worked really hard and, and fast and it's become, you know, it's growing quicker than I thought for sure. Where do you brew? We brew out of, uh, right now we brew through Abel Baker out of Joseph James. We're moving into, uh, Abel Baker's facility, uh, and brewing through them. So you kind of have a you have a partnership with them of some sort. Yeah, so it's just a, like a contract brew kind of thing. Yeah. So we pay them to basically use their tank space and brew for us. What do you like about this? Um, Besides the finished product. Yeah, the finished product for sure. Um, you know, I, I just I find that I'm not somebody who just wants to sit around and you know, you know, with my spare time just sit there and do nothing. Um, it, it's definitely kept me busy and. Um, it's going to give me something to do when I'm when I'm done hockey. You know, you you hear all these stories of you know people getting divorced and people not knowing what to do and kind of struggling when they when they get out of a sport because all they know is sports and they have their schedule and people telling them where they got to be at certain times and you know that that kind of terrifies me. So um, you know, I saw an opportunity mixed with a passion and I figured I'd jump on now while I you know use use my name as a little bit of leverage to grow it while I can. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm having a blast doing it. It's been fun watching something that I created grow so quickly. What's your mother's name? And tell me about her because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at you and I see your father. Mm -hmm. Be and it's because I watched him play professional football. It's I know him. But 
there's another part of you, and I would imagine. Yeah, Mama Joy. Yeah, she's a, a, probably a pretty huge influence. She is, yeah. Everybody, my girl calls me a mama's boy. Um, yeah, no, she's uh, she's definitely, you know. She's Joy. She's Brenda. I, her Brenda. middle name's Joy. Oh, yeah, I call okay. her Mama Joy. All right, yeah. Brenda Joy. Yeah. Um, she's, you know, she's just, she's just been one of those people that throughout my career, you know, I usually want to tell her something, you know, her and my brother, I want to tell them first for some reason. There's just the people I call first about most things. Um, and just somebody who I can always turn to, whether it's going to be, you know, she's going to come down to me on, or not or whatever is going on. It's just somebody that I can turn to and talk to uh, no matter the situation. And somebody that has always helped me out no matter the situation. It's just somebody that I I know I can count on. And um yeah, no, she was she was a huge influence on my life for sure. What's when you go home and you walk in her door, and you sniff to see what's cooking? What do you want cooking? Oh man, what do I want? You know, my family makes uh, my nana's ribs. Um, she's, they make these uh, ribs in the oven, fall right off the bone. They're unbelievable. That's kind of a, a staple. So you know, you you have turkey for Thanksgiving, we have ribs. We you have whatever for Christmas, we have ribs. No matter what the occasion, it's Nana's ribs. So uh, anytime I go home, that's what I want. Interesting. Yeah, ribs and rice. Now, home uh, is you grew up in Winnipeg, and uh, one of the biggest goals of your career was uh, the winner in the Western Conference Final. What was it like scoring that goal in in uh, in Winnipeg? That was, uh, you know, not only not only the fun aspect of it, aspect of it, it was you know a little bit weight off my shoulders because you know I got traded here, and for about two months I hadn't scored, and so you know that was my first Golden Knights goal, um, but. You know, doing it in front of friends and family in a game like that that sends us to the Stanley Cup final is, you know, I, I can play that memory over and over and over and I'll never forget it. And, um, you know, it was it was almost fun hearing the crowd go dead silent, too, because, you know, they're just like, oh, not this guy. You know what I mean? So um, it, it was it, it was just yeah one of those unbelievable moments that you just you, you could try and forget, but you, I just couldn't. I know what it was like for me when when the Golden Knights lost in the Stanley Cup, and you know I'm not not a player, haven't dedicated my life to to winning the Stanley Cup, but came to took took my own chance to come to this organization, and and uh, you know I'm, I'm fully invested in it, as is my family, and it was for me it was hard. What was it like for you? It was uh, it was heartbreaking. It was. It was like, you know, you were so close. You're so close to something that you dreamed of your whole life, and it just kind of got snatched away at the last second. Like you could, you could see it, you could taste it, you could feel it, and then all of a sudden it's just gone, and it's just like darkness. And it's, it was, it was definitely tough to deal with at the time, and for, and for a couple of weeks after, I think you know what made it a little easier was. You know what that team had done and you know what we had done and you know i wasn't here the whole year so you know what that team had done from you know that point until i got there and then from when i got there to the playoffs you know it was something special and you know how they brought this community together and how this city has come around this team and you know what a hockey town this city has already become um hoping that i was coming back here because you know i just still didn't have a contract so just the hope that you know that playoff run got me a contract here was um, made it a little bit easier, uh, but it, it definitely stung for sure. 
the loss in San Jose. Like I can remember going into the room after after Washington won, and then you know I kind of watched the Capitals on the ice for a few minutes and saw enough of that, and then I went and stood in the hallway. Uh, outside the room and I went in and did my business in the room and then I kind of came out and I stood outside of the room and then I was like okay it's time to come home and you know we're the team was down 3-1 going into that game it was not wasn't a shock it, it, it didn't feel good but it was you know I knew that was a possibility going into that night flying home from San Jose after the, the loss in game 7 after being up 3 nothing. I, like that flight home was as quiet and has there was there was something in the air that night that it was very different than just another loss. Yeah, that one. You know, it's tough to say it was tougher because it wasn't the Stanley Cup, Cup Finals, yeah. obviously. Um, maybe tougher in a different way. I think. You know the way it happened. You know he. Yeah, it shouldn't have been a five-minute penalty. And, yeah, we probably should have killed it off. But that being said, you know, we were up 3 nothing, um, And they come back and they beat us in a Game 7 game that, you know, I guess we thought we had. Um, and in the manner that they did it was, I wouldn't say it stung more, but it, it stung as much, I think. Um, I think we, we had a lot of confidence coming into the playoffs. I think we we had the confidence that we were going to go back to the Stanley Cup Finals, and that was just such a dagger to for it to end like that. Tell me about Mark Stone and what, you know, it's it's been an interesting offseason in the fact that, you know, I, I, I don't think enough people realize that Mark Stone is, like, the, the training for him and signing him, him is, is a huge piece of this offseason. Everyone sees trading Eric Hall, trading Colin Miller, trading... Um, Gusev has, you know, they had to take pieces out of their team, but well, the the club added Mark Stone at the deadline and only had him for a small piece. To me, like if someone says, why is Vegas going to be better this year? It's because they're going to have Mark Stone for a full year. Yeah, I, you know, I, when we traded for him, I was talking to uh, Wayne Simmons, who, you know, played against him a lot more in the East, and I just said, you know, what's this guy like? And he said he's just one of those guys that plays the right way. That was like his only thing he said. And um, he plays the right way all over the ice. And when you watch Stoner play, it's true. Like, it's not the best skater in the world, um, but he he can skate. And he plays hard in every zone. He doesn't take shortcuts. Plays physical. And for you know one of for your top scorer to play physical like he did, you know, I, I still think back to that Winnipeg game. When he laid out Wheeler and then fought, well, you know that's a guy that plays the right way. You know he's he's going after top players, he's getting under their skin, and he's scoring big goals for us. And that's all you can ask for from a top guy. So to add a piece like that is is huge. You told me that very shortly after he arrived here, he said you just found yourself naturally following him. Like he's got he he is that type of leader where. It's not about standing up on a chair and screaming and yelling. It's, it's you just find your. It's like it's like you know we've all got that friend, who is people want to talk to him. You'll go to a party and you'll see that 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 one guy that people are really interested in and find him charming and want to be around him. And that you know the way you described Mark Stone to me was a kind of that's the type of leader he is. Is that it, it's not, it's not about follow me. It's he goes and you follow. 
Yeah, like you, you know, you have two, you have two different leaders. You have guys who get you all hyped up and, um, you know, tell you, okay, it's time to go to war, and then you have guys that just jump into the war, and you watch them, and you're like, oh, well, I gotta follow this guy, and Stoner's that guy. He, you know, he's not gonna say a bunch of stuff on, you know, in the locker room or on the ice, whatever it is, but. Um, you notice them on the ice and when you notice your top players doing things like you know I go back to when uh, when I first came here and I wasn't playing the first round um, and I remember I was sitting up in the press box watching um, you know that Marchie, Carly and uh, Sputzy line and I just remember I can't remember who I was talking to but I just remember watching Marchie for a couple of shifts how small he is but how much he threw his body around He's one of those guys too, and Marchie, you know, talks a little more in the in the dressing room, whether it makes sense or not. What he says, um, he's one of those guys that you can watch him on the ice and be like, you know, for a small guy to be throwing his weight around and going into those dirty areas. Well, well, man, I can do that too for sure. Then if, if somebody like that's doing it, I can do that. And so, you know, to have guys like that in the dressing room and on the ice is is very key for a good team. Let's get those blues. They, you know, you got your start of your career there and spent a lot of your career there. They just won the Stanley Cup. What was that like for you? Uh, it was mixed emotions. You know, I, I don't think you ever want to get traded away from a team and then they go win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history when you've been there for seven years. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the playoffs, to be honest. I think I only watched really... You know, games that were on in the background of bar, uh, but I, I caught the last ten. I decided to turn on the last ten minutes of the final game. Um, you know, I got a lot of friends on that team, and I wanted to see them lift the cup. And obviously, I was happy for all those guys. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it was a little tough. It was bittersweet. Yeah, mixed emotions. What's next for you in terms of? Uh, you know, I know that you're not. You don't sit still. What do you want to? Where, where do you want to improve as a player? Oh man, you know, you know the game's getting faster. I got to get faster. Um, so you did that last year. You I got did. you got faster last year. How did did you try to get faster again this summer? And how yeah. did you do that? Well, just you know, same kind of thing. I think um, you know, I, I do a lot of weighted vest stuff. A lot of jumps uh, with weighted vests, skating with weighted vests. Um, a lot of resistance stuff. You know, the stuff that got me faster last year. I, I tried to do a little bit more this summer. Are you lighter? I am right now, yeah. That comes at a cost, though, right? Like Evander Kane calls you Muffin Man. <laughs> I'll see how many times he calls me that. <laughs> we'll see how many times he calls me that. Sorry, I can't resist. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I am lighter right now. I'm. I usually come to camp at two thirty, and I lose about five pounds um, just from the grind of camp. Yeah. Um, I'm about two twenty-five right now, so I wouldn't mind putting on a couple pounds, but um, you know, I, I don't think. The three four pounds difference is, you know, I'm still going to be physical. I'm still in in good condition. I was you know. kidding. Yeah, no, I know. I just, but it's true though. I do think of those things. Like, um, you know, I came to camp one year, two forty of the lockout year because we stopped skating and I got bored. So all I was doing was working out. Well, two forty is not a good number for me. I was I was slow and it was you know tough for me to move and carry that weight. So there is, I do have. I do have a sweet spot with my weight, and I might be a little bit under it right now, but it might make me a little quicker. We'll see. Do you think people understand? Like, John of the Marshall said to me the other day, he said, I love it when Reaver's in our lineup. And I and I, I, I knew the answer, but I wanted to hear it. I said, why? He goes, no one tries anything. So, like, do, do people understand? Like, you might not fight, 
for well, you fought you fought three times with the Golden Knights. So you go twenty games, twenty five games, without a fight. But what impact does Ryan Reeves have? Just having his name in the lineup, what does that have on on games? Do, and do people understand the value of that? I mean, I think people who know hockey understand the value. Um, you know, obviously. Obviously, I've I've had haters throughout my career who say I can't play, and you know I'm I'm put up whatever amount of points, and you know this and that. But you know the game's changing. Where you know before, if something was happening or somebody wanted to try something, you could just go out and say, hey, "All right, we're going." Well, you can't do that anymore. But there's ways there's ways to tweak your game, and the way I do it is you can still go out there and you know tell somebody to calm down, and if you don't, well, okay, if you're not going to calm down, well, I'm going to go run somebody. That, that matters on your team and you know I think I've become I've, I've adapted to the league well enough that I can still catch those guys that I'm talking about you know sometimes it's tough to catch McDavid um, but I, you know I've, I've caught Crosby a couple times I've caught you know some of these bigger players a couple times and so I think me being able to do that and being in the league for so long guys believe me when I say that and they know every shift I'm coming. You know, I, I led the league in hits last year. They, they know I'm going to play physical no matter what. And I think when the game gets amped up, they know that I'm going to amp up my physical play. And usually players don't want that. So uh, I think that's more the impact than the whole fighting thing now. What did Sidney Crosby say to you when you first walked into the room in Pittsburgh? Uh, he was on the ice actually, and he just—I just remember we locked eyes and just a huge smile. And uh, he came up to me and was like, "You you done hitting me now?" I was like, "Oh no, I got you. Don't don't worry. There's no more hitting you." But I, I've caught him a couple times actually. I think I, I think I've heard him twice actually. And uh, we've had a couple arguments. One one off ice argument before. What? Tell me about that. Uh, we're gonna no. We're gonna leave that. Well, one you, you open the door. You can't <laughs> yeah. do that. Uh, I was just there was just a little bit of. Uh, I think I, uh, I think I went to run him and I missed him and I slashed him. He thought I tried slew footing him, so he was screaming at me off uh, when we were getting to the bus. My car was parked at the, next to the. So the he's bus. getting on the bus in he's St. Louis. Yeah, he's getting on the and bus. He's and still chirping you. Exchanged some words, yeah, and uh, I told him just you know, keep walking on the bus, buddy. All right, uh, we 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 mended it though. We were good. Yeah, we were actually good buddies in Pittsburgh. He's he's a really good guy. I hear he's fantastic. Yeah, he is. What did he say to you when you left? Uh, well, at the time he was actually, it was middle of the second period when I got traded. So I, I walked into the room and he was just like, what, what do you mean? Like, didn't we bring you here for the playoffs? And yeah, that's what I thought too, but I'm out. Uh, we, we, I mean, we still keep in touch. It was, you know, when you get traded, I think it's, you know, you don't want to just sit there and dwell on it. You want to get to your new team and kind of detach yourself from the last team. What kind of a line would Eakin, Stone, and Reeves be? Three Winnipeg guys. Ooh, that would be a good line, actually. Would it? I think so, yes. I mean, Stoner, Stoner plays physical. I play physical. Eakin, you know, what, what do you have, almost 30 goals last year? 22. 20, oh, 22? 22. That's 29. No, 22. All right, my bad. Sorry, Um 29. Eh? We're having a conversation yeah. right now. It's <laughs> almost 30, my friend. <laughs> That's what I thought he scored. Okay. Uh yeah, I think it'd be a good line. I mean, obviously, uh, a little bit of skill there. You'd be looking over on the right you'd side. Be, you'd be looking over your shoulder the whole time, Cody Glass trying to take your spot. 
You can't be too comfortable here with on your on your you, on, on the peg line. No, you can never. No, you can never be comfortable. Yeah, that's the thing. Is uh, you always that, got somebody. Does that drive you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, does it keep you up at night? Does it? Uh, is it? Is it a healthy thing or is it? You no, know, I, I think it's healthy. You know, yeah. I think. I think my first year, I was brought up to take Cam Jansen's, Jansen's spot. And then, you know, I ended up doing well and ended up taking uh, BJ Crombie's spot. So... Crombie, wow. Yeah. And, like, and those guys, two guys that I have a lot of respect for because when, when I came on the team, those are guys that played the same style as me. I was playing on their line. So, you know, we were, we were good buddies. And at the same time, I'm trying to make a team and knowing that I'm taking their spot was tough. But, you know, I got, I got a career to take care of too. So... I think when I went through that and took somebody else's spot, immediately it went into my head that, you know, that could be you. So you can never get too comfortable. You still, you know, whether you have a contract or not, somebody's always gunning for that spot. There's always somebody younger that's willing to train harder if you're not willing to put in that work. And I think that's something that I've luckily realized early in my career. And that kind of drives me to stay in the lineup. It's that, you know, the expression, get yours. Like, it's kind of hidden in hockey. But but at the end because of the day... Because it's a team sport. It, it is. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you... The guy the guy that has the job that you want, you you want to be better than him. You, right. You want to get yours. Absolutely. And that drives, that makes for a better team. That internal competition. Healthy competition. Healthy yeah. competition. So how, how do you keep it healthy? How, have you, and have you seen it unhealthy? I mean, I, I guess it can be unhealthy when you have a guy that's in and out of the lineup, you know, hoping somebody gets hurt or hoping, you know, hoping this guy goes dash six in the game and then like, oh, yeah, I'm getting in. You know, I'm sitting in the press, you know, and I've, I've seen guys like that. Um, I'll be honest, when I was young, I might have been one of those guys. And, and that's only natural because you want to play so bad. And, play in the NHL. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to play in the NHL and I'm sitting in the press box and I know that. If that guy messes up, I get a chance. But if he does really well, I'm going to keep sitting in the press box. So, you know, when you're young and you don't, and you're trying to get into the lineup, I think you don't quite understand that that team mentality yet and what what it is to be in the NHL. When you get older, and you know, I, I've been healthy scratch for a guy, and the guy's like, "Hey, sorry, man." I was like, "What do you mean? Go do your thing." Like, I wasn't playing well. You, you here's your chance, and you know. But trust me, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna work, and I'm gonna come take that spot right back. And just in the really simple, almost crass way of saying it, eighty-five thousand is a lot. Eight hundred and fifty thousand is a lot different than eighty-five thousand. Oh yeah, right. Big difference. When you go from the American League, where you're, you know, maybe making eighty-five or whatever, to going to the NHL and having a chance to make almost a million dollars, it is like it's an overnight raise that people dream about. Oh yeah, I, I remember when I was in Peoria, I got a call up for. I think like a week and I came back with like half of a or like a quarter of a paycheck or whatever. And I remember I thought I was big wheel on camps. I brought all the boys out buying pitchers of beers. It was like the best day of my life. But no, it's, where, where would you go in Peoria for beer? Uh, well, you can either go to Cruisins, Cruisins or uh, Carbon and Carbon is a little uh, Carbon's a little shady. So it was one really? of the one of the yeah, well, it's downtown. Peoria is not like Peoria is not the most beautiful city in the world. So uh, yeah. One of the one of the cruisings. 
the most famous Peoria Riverman of them all, Doug Evans. Okay. You don't know that name? Mm-mm. Played there for a long time. Okay. It, it was in the Blues organization, played in uh, the Blues, played in the IHL for Peoria, played in the, it was Tony Twist. His uh, Twister's certainly a famous one. It's gotta be. Chaser, uh, too, wasn't he there? Doug Evans won championship. Okay. Yeah, his name's, his, his jersey's in their afters. Okay. Um, I, I like that old arena in Peoria. I used to like going to it. It was, uh, uh, however, though, uh, I was covering the Manitoba Moose, and Mike Keene had played in the NHL for almost 20 years, and then he played in the American League for five years after. So he didn't, like, didn't his money was all done. He, he was just playing to play hockey. It was like, other guys play old-timers? Oh, I'll play in the American League. But he had to ride the buses, and can remember seeing him after a loss in Peoria on a Sunday night, and he looked sour. Um, and I said, uh, you know, kind of, why the long face, Keeter? And he said, well, we lost. I said, yeah, but this is, you know, kind of, Extremely long. He goes, well, I don't want to say anything about Peoria, but this is in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> and the t- oh, it's true. Like yeah. <laughs> coming back to Peoria, you're just like, oh man, all right, <laughs> do this again. But a great place to start out. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got to go through those little grinds when you're younger to really appreciate where you're going. Well, lots of players that have played in the American League and then go on to long careers in the NHL. They will. They'll all tell that. A lot of them will say. Every guy should play there. Yeah. Every guy should play, whether it's 10 games, 20 games, or 30 games, should ride the bus and see the difference between the American League and the the old guys call the NHL the apple. They said, before you get to the apple, you should experience the jungle. W- what it's like down in the American League so you understand how good you have it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you got you to gotta know what you're working for, and uh, if you're not going to work, you got to know where you're going to be. What do you want to be remembered for as a player? Oh, man. You know, I think I just wanted... I want everybody to know that I leave it out on the ice every day, every game. Um, you know, obviously not the most skilled player, but um, I work... I I make up for it in, you know, in my work ethic, uh, in my leadership, on and off the ice. You know, I, I, I've i never worn a, a letter, but I, I consider myself a leader on this team and any team that I've been on. Um you know, I don't think you have to have a letter to, to be a leader. Um, definitely, those are my top two. Excellent. Well, this is a lot of fun. Thanks very much for your time. And time. That's Ryan Reeves. I'm Gary Lawless. You're listening to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, the interview series. Thanks for your time. <laughs>